Hello, Fins Nation. Welcome back to another episode of the Fins with Frisch podcast after a very disappointing week seven Sunday night football performance. And look, this morning I was very upset. You know, I woke up after the game and I, you know, I was getting texts, the Dolphins are fraudulent. And it was a mixture, you know, I was sad we lost. I was frustrated we lost. And then I'm getting annoyed by Jets fans and Giants fans and Ravens fans and Cowboys fans and Eagles fans telling me that the Dolphins are fraudulent and can't beat a good team. And I was letting it, you know, really get to me. I was getting really worked up. I was like, oh yeah, well, what about, you know, the Bills just lost. And then I kind of just stopped and I, you know, I got off my phone, went to the gym, went in the sauna till I nearly passed out, got rid of all the toxins from the game Sunday night, got rid of all the negative energy. And I basically realized it's very important to keep perspective. And that's what we're going to be doing on this podcast today. Perspective, I would say, is a life skill. When things are going poorly, it's important to keep perspective. And I wouldn't say things are going poorly for the Dolphins right now. But this past Sunday went poorly. So I'm going to offer some perspective. And, you know, it's funny. I see myself as a neutral to negative-ish Dolphins fan. You know, there's I'm not Frank Fleming who, after a week seven loss to an NFC team, makes a video of himself biting his glasses and saying the season's over. But I'm also not one of the guys that is always, you know, lollipops and roller coasters and rainbows and unicorns. I was ready to get rid of two after 2021. That's all you need to know. So that's me as a Dolphins fan. You know, after we lost the Bills, I really, you know, I spent 30, 40 minutes just bashing the team. I'm not going to do that today. It's perspective day, okay? Perspective in the face of disappointment. So with all that being said, let's get right into it. You know, there are three conversations going on right now regarding the Dolphins. It's the referees on Sunday night. It's the guys that the Dolphins were missing on Sunday night, and then It's the conversation that I'm interested in having because it's the only one that we can control and the only one that matters to me is the performance of the team. And, you know, you can't control what a guy dressed as a zebra from Pennsylvania, you can't control when he throws his yellow flag. But you can control dropping touchdowns and underthrowing touchdown passes. So for the positive fans where it's always lollipops and roller coasters. And I promise I'm going to, there will be some positive things said. There's going to be a lot of positive things said on this podcast. But just to start, for you guys who are blaming the refs, and you guys who are blaming the injuries, did our two star players, our two best players on the team, two and Tyreek play? The answer is yes. Did they play great? I'm not asking if they played good. I'm not asking if they were solid. I'm asking if they were great. And then I'm going to answer it. It's not rhetorical. The answer is no. Regardless of how big of a Tua guy you are, and I still think he's QB2 in the NFL, he was okay last night. You want to say he was good, I won't fight with you, because it doesn't matter. Because he wasn't great. When you have guys that are missing... You need your stars to be great. We don't know if Teron Armstead's going to be there in January. And I get, first of all, so 
it is important to note the guys we're missing are stars, but I'm talking about the stars of this team. And the stars of this team are Tyreek and Tua. Those are two guys you can't afford to lose. There is no other player on this entire Dolphins roster where you just take them off the roster and they can't compete for a Super Bowl anymore. I promise you, and I don't want to find out for anyone who disagrees, if you take Tyreek off this roster, you're not winning a Super Bowl. If you take two off this roster, you're not winning a Super Bowl. So, stars in sports, when things go well, they get all the credit. And when things don't go well, they get all the blame. And some people think it's a flawed system, but I think it's correct. Stars and quarterbacks. Because take a guy like Jerome Baker, the longest tenured role player on the Dolphins. And this is something I'd love to expand on in the future. I don't really think role players really matter that much at all. I think they're dependent on the stars around them. What I mean is the stars make the role players better. So a guy like McCall Hardman, a classic role guy, with the Chiefs, McCall Hardman's great. With the Jets, the guy can't even get on the field. The Jets have Zach Wilson. The Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. It's not just stars, it's culture too. But stars create culture. This Belichickian culture in New England, how is it holding up without Tom Brady? You need star players to build cultures. And to make the guys around him better. So, last night, you want to blame the refs, you want to blame the injuries, go ahead. I'm not, I can't stop you from doing that. But what I can do is offer you facts. Okay, we're about to, so for people who like facts, we were down 17-3. We came back and we tied it at 17. In between that 17-3 and 17-17 period, the defense and three drives allowed the Eagles seven plays that gained 18 yards and one first down. One of the pl- drives was the sack right before halftime. The defense was great. And Tyreek Hill dropped a game-tying touchdown. And Jerome Baker, who ironically I was, I was using as the role-player example, got a pick six. Tie game. And I said to Jeremy, who was at the game with me right before the next drive, I said, can we not give up 25 yards on the first play of the next drive? Why'd I say that? Well, for every, every Dolphins fan has seen this movie for as long as I've been alive. So I can't even tell you how long it was going on before. But where the defense, when it's a one-score, two-score game that we're losing, holds up. And then the second we tie it up or take the lead, they break. So what happens the first play after it's a tie game? After, again, seven plays, 18 yards, one first down on three previous drives. We almost sack Hurts. Instead, he scrambles for 12, and Javon Holland and David Long run into each other and both go to the blue tent. I'm glad they're both okay. And then seven, seven plays later, the Eagles are in the end zone. And then after that, we go down. I actually get a text from Jake Fisher, who was on last week. I was, you know, I was chirping him after we tied it up. He just sends me dot, dot, dot. We're both at the game after 24-17. I text him back. All right, going to be a shootout. Hope your boys are ready. Why? Because we have two out there and we have Tyreek out there. Oh, and Waddle just magically was fine on that, you know, on that last drive, by the way. He picks his moments as to when he wants to play and when he doesn't want to play. Um, yeah, I don't know how, you know, separately, I don't know how injured Waddle is, but with all the fake stats we have today, I'd love to know 
who has taken more trips to the blue tent and then come back out on the field than Waddle. I remember, I mean, we should have known. I think his first preseason game, he got carted off with an ankle injury and then came back in like three drives later. But anyway, enough about Jalen Waddle. Tyreek Hill had the worst drop of his career before the tie. After the tie, it was 24-17. We get it to the 26-yard line. Now, I know there's controversy, as there is with every Tua interception, and I think Tua's QB2 in the league, so don't kill me for my Tua criticism that I'm going to go with here. To me, it looked like he had Raheem Mostert open in the end zone. It looked like he could have led him to the corner and he underthrew him. And I know it doesn't really mean anything because Tua's not the guy to throw a teammate under the bus, but it looked to me, or he said, I underthrew him. So that would have been a touchdown, a tie it at 24. Instead, the Eagles got the ball and it was 24-17. And by the way, you know, I think the conversation is that Waddle ran a double move and McDaniel wouldn't have had him run the double move. And because he ran the double move, Slay was there. Okay, fine. Even if Slay wasn't there. Was that a great pass? No. And most of the bad officiating went on in the first half. Like, this was after all the officiating. Like, all the roughing the passer and getting the touchdown call back. If, and we were able to hang in there with the guys we had out there. But our stars didn't elevate us. If we don't win the Super Bowl... No one's going to say it's because Jerome Baker didn't have a great season. Or because he had a great season. And if we don't win the Super Bowl, no one's going to say it's because Jerome Baker didn't have a good season. It's going to be because of Tua and how he plays and Tyreek and how he plays. Jerome Baker is just a role player. You know, Connor Williams is a great center. But unless you're Jason Kelsey... You don't win a Super Bowl because of a center. And you certainly don't win one because you have a top 10 center. No, no team has ever said, oh, our top 10 center won us the Super Bowl. No one ever said it, our top 10 center won us the, a game. And again, I'm not saying the guys we were missing aren't valuable guys. But Tua and Tyreek weren't great and they needed to be. And after it was 24-17, the Eagles converted two fourth downs on that last drive. To seal it. And the dagger was Jalen Hurts, star player on the Eagles, with pressure in his face, throwing a dot to A.J. Brown. Another star player. Making a great catch to basically put him in field goal range to make it a two-possession game late with a few minutes left. That all went on after the injuries and after the refs. So, the concern is that we can't beat a great team. And as of Sunday night in week six or week seven, the Dolphins were unable or unable to beat a great team that's competing for a Super Bowl on the road. Now, here's the other side. That doesn't mean it's going to be that way in December or January. What it does mean is that this team has things they need to improve upon but who you are in October isn't who you are in December or January. How do I know this? Because week six last year, the Buffalo Bills were the team that we wanted to be this week. They went out and they beat Kansas City on the road. They beat a Super Bowl favorite on the road. But then what happened in January? They barely scraped by the Dolphins with the third stringer, who were the seventh seed. And then they 
get blown out at home by the Bengals. There's no reason we can't go the opposite direction, where we can't evolve from a team that is beating up on bad teams, has struggled with a couple good teams, to a team that can play great against good teams. We're going to get guys back. And, you know, it's the little things, right? Like, just it wasn't even just the stars. It's like, all this discipline we talked about, it seems like, and this is another concern, they lose a little bit of that in these big games. Like, Christian Wilkins, I didn't see him lining up with his handoff sides against the Broncos or against the Panthers. That's something they need to clean up, and it's something I think they will clean up. And, you know, there's the perspective is this was an NFC team. The game we play against the Patriots this week, from a results standpoint, means more to this season than this Eagles game. The Eagles game doesn't affect any tiebreakers. The Patriots game affects division tiebreakers, and it affects conference tiebreakers. So, if you could choose a game to win out of these two, if you could only choose one, and the other's a loss, you'd choose the Patriots game. So what we're really upset about, and it's kind of funny when you think about it, is we're upset that we're not getting respect from the national media. We're upset that Colin Cowherd is going to come out and say the Dolphins are fake Gucci. <laughs> I mean, this that stupid narrative he's going with right now. So think about that. We're upset. There's two camps of people. So there are people that probably their outlook on the season has changed. And that's all right. Okay. I don't think it has. But if you think that, that's reasonable. But then think about this. If you're mad because your friends are chirping you or Colin Cowherd, who you hate anyway, isn't saying the Dolphins are great. What are you really mad about? In 14 days, the Dolphins can be 7-2 and two and the number one seed in the AFC. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs, that game is, we knew, that, that game is way more important than this Eagles game. If you could choose one win, you would choose the Kansas City Chiefs game. And it was going to be difficult to go 2-0 in those games. So just take care of business against New England. Take care of business in Kansas City. And you alleviate all the concerns. Nobody can say anything. But most importantly, you're the number one seed. Don't be frustrated about media noise in a results-based league. I, and that's the thing. I was, I was getting so worked up about... I had a Cowboys fan telling me that the Dolphins are fraudulent and can't beat anyone good. And then I'm like, do I not like that? Do you see the irony in that? A Dallas Cowboys fan telling anyone they can't beat a good team. The sports franchise known for choking against good teams has guys saying, oh, you guys are fraudulent. I was like, dude, you lost to the Cardinals. The way we looked against the Eagles, that's how you looked against the Cardinals. And then you lost 41-10 to the Niners. Death taxes and the Cowboys losing to the Niners with the, playing a garbage quarterback too. I think Jimmy G beat him. Yeah, he did. I had a Ravens fan come at me saying the Dolphins can win the CFL maybe this year. The only time the Do- Ravens have done anything in the last 10 years was when they were the one seed. Lamar was the MVP. And they let Ryan Tannehill come into their house and bully them. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, like if you get bullied at home by Ryan Tannehill, 
You should just cancel your franchise. Like, the NFL should just go with 31 teams at this point after what the Ravens did. I had a Giants fan come after me. Like, you, and by the way, this guy, this Giants fan, it was really only one. One, you would think he's a made-up guy when I tell you what I'm about to tell you. Like, this guy, and I've said this. I've said, like, you would think the things he says, he's a made-up individual, but he's actually real. He says that Daniel Jones and Justin Fields are top five quarterbacks. And he thinks, he's saying right now that the Dolphins and Giants are both going to finish 9-8. and eight. So, I was all upset earlier. And then I realized, like, why do you let these people bother you? They're, we can be the number one seed in two weeks. They're paying a guy $40 million who's two touchdown passes seven games into his contract. So, and I saw that this is not me being original. This is, I saw a tweet. There are 28 teams that would love to be the Miami Dolphins right now. 28 of them. And we're missing five very good players. Last night, we were not good enough to win the football game. But if you could be 5-2 and two after these seven games, you would take it. It's a concern that, you know, we seem to be a little undisciplined against the better teams. And it's, it's frustrating. And it's frustrating that, you know, Kyle Brandt comes out with the Eagles sweater and says the Dolphins aren't elite. And Colin Coward says in his annoying voice, the Dolphins are Frank Gucci. But it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't affect the season. Again... I'm going to say it one more time. You're two wins away from being the one seed. Imagine being a Bills fan right now. That, was, that game didn't get any national attention. Like, we're so upset. We're devastated that we lost the Eagles. I, I'm, I, and I am really upset. It was a really disappointing game. But imagine losing to the Patriots. Like, the Bills are 1-2 and two in the division. The Bills might miss the playoffs. Well, you know, we're sitting at five and two. So, overall, we didn't lose because of the refs. We didn't lose because we were injured last night. We just didn't play as well as we're capable of playing. But our outlook on the season shouldn't change. If this team plays as well as they're capable of playing, and they don't make the undisciplined mistakes that they've made, there's no reason we can't beat anyone in the league. There's 28 teams that are worse off, and we're just worried about competing with those last three. So with that being said, I said we would get into officiating, and we will. It's time for the Week 7 Clown of the Week Award. Now, I like to remain objective when it comes to Clown of the Week, and while I'd love to give it to a Dolphin hater every week, if someone catches my eye that's just been an even larger clown than anyone in... Relating to the Dolphins, I got to give them Clown of the Week. And it looked like this week I wasn't going to be able to give it to a Dolphin hater. I was sitting there just on the couch, Thursday night football's on, and I see a lob to Foster Moreau. And this, I I saw Foster Moreau make the worst drop in the history of the NFL. Every Dolphins fan knows the Kenny Stills drop. Foster Moreau's drop on Thursday night was so bad that it made Kenny Stills' drop against the Seahawks look like a catch. 
But I'm going to stop right now because Foster Moreau didn't get Clown of the Week. He was very close. He's an honorable mention. We're not going to do that all the time, but I think this wor- he's worthy of get- getting talked about as an honorable mention. There is a guy named Dwayne Hayden. Hayden. I don't know how to pronounce his name. H-E-Y-D-T. So I'm just going to call him Dwayne H. Um because I'm not going to try to pronounce that name a billion times. So, Dwayne H, he is a guy who, he's a referee. He, you know, on weekends, he dresses up like a zebra and tries to ruin games. And in 2017, he was suspended from officiating the ACC. And the reason they gave was unethical officiating. So, Dwayne H happened to be the ref in the game last night where... The Eagles didn't get one penalty all night. The Dolphins had gotten 10 penalties. And it's not just that there weren't penalties on the Eagles and that the penalties were BS on the Dolphins. I was at the game, but looking at these pictures, they were missing obvious penalties. And the one picture I didn't see that I was I was, in the, I was like so angry about was after they scored, aided by the rough in the past, I think on third down, we threw a slant to Barrios, And Darius Slay cracked him. When the ball was coming, right in front of the ref, they didn't say anything. And by the way, the pictures I'm talking about are, you know, the pictures that are floating around on Twitter. And it's not just about the flags that we got or didn't get. It's about the moments, too. Like, the roughing the pass earlier in the game set up a touchdown. We had a touchdown called back, which apparently was a hold, and that's fine. But they weren't calling the holds on the Eagles. Obvious holds, too. We had a missed pass interference on fourth down, arguably multiple times. So, you know, the drive that Tyreek dropped the touchdown pass, the next play, it should have, that, the next play was a pass, it was a face mask pass interference. We should have had a first down. We didn't get any points on that drive. On two is interception, or you could argue it was pass interference. Again, still should have been a better throw. But it was really frustrating. And where, so back to Dwayne H. So everyone, so first of all, I do have to congratulate him. That's basically... It was his referee crew, or it wasn't his, it was Brad Allen's referee crew, who, by the way, the home team covers at a higher percentage and wins outright at a higher percentage than they do normally when his crew's refing. So Brad Allen and his crew are always favoring the home team. I don't know if Dwayne H. is always part of that crew or not, but anyone that just you know decides to dress up a zebra as a zebra on Sundays and in a league where guys are working hard all week, risking injury, risking their lives to play this game, you know, practicing, getting injured, to just show up on Sunday at 8.20 p.m., dress up as a zebra in a game with millions or billions of dollars riding on it and rig the game makes you a huge clown. You're a massive clown. This guy's a lifelong clown, okay? Oh, and yeah, and he's from Pennsylvania. So he's <laughs> so this guy's probably an Eagles fan. So, Dwayne, you're a massive clown. You're the Week 7 Clown of the Week. Congratulations. You'd have a hard time finding a larger clown than yourself at a street fair circus or young child's birthday party. So with all that being said about the clown of the week, just a broader statement on officiating in general, sports are rigged. You know, we don't want to believe it. We say it in a joking matter, but they are. They're not completely rigged where like, you know, these guys are actors, but it's rigged where there's teams that people that are running leagues want to get calls and they get the calls. And if it's close enough, they're going to get the calls late. Look, the refs killed our momentum early. We went up 7-3. They're like, no, hold. And then, you know, it was 3-3. And we were maybe going to get a stop. And they're like, 
No, you know, roughing the passer. And that did have a big impact. We were talking about it on the podcast last week. The beginning of the game was so important because you wanted to play your type of game. We wanted a shootout. They wanted a game where they could grind out the clock, and that's what it ended up being, a game where they could grind out the clock. So back to the officiating, you know, everyone's, we as humans, we see things very simply, I think. Like, everyone's like, oh, this is a terrible look for the NFL. They hired a guy who was unethically officiating. Well, if you're a fan of that, if you're Roger Goodell and you're a fan of the Kelsey brothers and you want to see him play the Chiefs with Taylor Swift in the Super Bowl, or I know, yeah, Travis is on the Chiefs, but it might be beneficial to hire some unethical people. So everyone's sitting there thinking, oh, why would he hire, you know, a guy who has been suspended for unethical officiating? And he hired him for that exact reason. He needs an unethical guy to help him give calls to the Eagles and give calls to the Chiefs. Just like how calls were given to the Patriots back in the day. You know, just like Evan Turner on a podcast once said, he was like pretty excited for game seven. And, you know, a guy who was in the league, they were playing the Celtics, a guy who'd been in the league for a bunch of years was like, you know, we're going to have to win by 20 to win by five. That's how sports work. There's your answer. To why was a guy who was suspended for unethical refereeing in the ACC refereeing the game last night. So with all that being said, now we turn the page. We have the New England Patriots coming up this week. Unfortunately, Jeremy Hawk won't be able to join us. He is busy. He's on a work trip in Arizona. So we'll have to roll without him. We will have a Patriots fan on later and, you know, another enemy. Uh, but I think the keys to this game, look, I think it's very simple. Uh, I think there's three tiers of the Patriots type of team. I think the Patriots are a lesser version of the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are the best at what they do. They're a team that runs and grinds the clock, and that's how they beat you. Then the Ravens are a lower tier of that. They run, they don't run as well, and obviously they don't beat teams as well because they don't beat teams as often. And then there's the Patriots, who they actually never beat teams, except for somehow this Sunday they pulled off a miracle against the Buffalo Bills. So for once, well, actually two firsts. So number one, Miami Dolphins fans were all rooting for the New England Patriots. That does not happen very often. I can't remember the last time it did. And number two, the Dolphins are thankful for the New England Patriots. We're happy that they exist. I mean, actually, you know, I've been happy that they've, ever since 2019, we've been happy they exist, except for 2021. But, uh, yeah, we got a big favor from uh, those scrubs in New England, those bottom dwellers. So uh, we're very thankful for that. So anyway, so back to the keys of the game. Look, I think we said it earlier, New England had the best game plan to beat us of any team this year. And, you know, the Bills were able to kind of run up the score on us. I just think we didn't play well that day. The Eagles, I mean, that's exactly when the game was tied and it was late in the fourth quarter. What did they do? They scored. They took the lead. They stopped us. And it was exactly what the bend don't break. We got to the 26-yard line. We couldn't finish the drive. And then they grinded out the clock by running the football. That's exactly what New England wants to do. They're going to try to not give up anything deep. And the Eagles did a great job of that. They did give up the one deep shot to Tyreek. But other than that, we didn't get anything deep. And they're going to want to run the ball on offense. They're not going to put it in the hands of three-pass Mac. And I think that 
We know what they want to do, and and we know how to beat them. I'm not going to come in and sit here and say like, oh, this is a big test. You know, it's a huge game. It, it it's a huge game in terms of results, as we're saying, but it's not a massive game in terms of we're really worried about it. It's another team that we should beat, and you know, as much as the rest of the league wants to clown us for winning the te- games we should win, the rest of the league isn't doing that. Other than the Chiefs and Eagles, the Niners aren't winning the games they should win. The Ravens aren't winning the games they should win. The Bills most certainly aren't winning the games they should win. So this is just another simple task for us. It's not simple for the rest of the league. We're playing a team we should beat, and we got to go beat them. The one thing I would like to see, and look, people are going to say it's meaningless, but again, we shouldn't be caring about what the media is saying and what fans of you know opposing teams are saying and what trolls on Twitter are saying. I would like to see us go blow them out. And I know we've done it to bad teams in the past, and I know we responded when we played the Bills, but that's all you can ask for. All you can do... You know, you, we can't teleport to November 5th or whatever day we're playing the Chiefs. I wish we could. We can't. So all we can do is play the game we're playing on Sunday. And what I would love to see from the team is, look, you just kind of disappointed everybody on Sunday night. Go out and dominate. I know we've done it before, but that's what I want to see. I want to see the team respond. I want to see good defense. And I want to see us freaking drop 40 on these guys. You know, they... Played a good defensive game last time. And their game plan, the only way they can beat us is, Ben, don't break. Give up field goals in the in the red zone. Don't give up touchdowns. Run the ball on offense. Keep the Dolphins' offense off the field. That's how they win. Don't allow them that. Go out and score the first 21 points and make three pass Mac throw, you know, three interceptions or four interceptions. I mean, I freaking hate these guys. We should all hate these guys. These guys ran the division for... 20 years. I, I don't want to beat him by 7. I want to beat him by 90. I, I don't care what, you know, Peter Schrager is going to say, who actually, you know, he's been a Dolphin guy over the years. But I don't care if Peter Schrager is going to say, oh, you know, just the Dolphins beating up on another bad team. That's what I want to do. Any, every fan in the league, when their team plays a bad team, they want to beat up on them. So people are trying to criticize us for doing us. Oh, you're beating up on bad teams? You think Buffalo Bills fans wouldn't love to have beaten up on a bad team this past Sunday? Yeah. And I know, you know, if you live in New York, I mean, New York Giants fans, no, nobody celebrates a, a, a one-possession win over, over one of the worst franchises in sports like that group of unintelligent individuals. You see, we're all about perspective. I'm in a good mood. So with all that being said, and as much as I hate the Patriots, uh, we're going to bring on a... Patriots fan, we're going to go inside the mind of an individual who spent his entire childhood watching the most dominant franchise in the history of sports and now is in a situation where they may be the least dominant franchise in sports. So we welcome in our second enemy to ever join the show, Alex Lefkowitz, a fellow friend and a lifelong New England Patriots fan. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jack. Really uh, appreciate the invite onto the show and excited to uh, talk about the game this weekend. Yeah, no problem. And, you know, it's funny. So you got the invite prior to the Sunday. And, and, you know, I was thinking about what we'd talk about. And we're actually going to have, you know, I was was expecting this conversation to be after a Dolphins win. And I was almost certainly expecting it to be after a Patriots loss. And we've kind of got 
a little bit of a reversal, a rare occasion um, since Tom Brady left where the Patriots win in a given week against the Bills, no less, and Dolphins lose. Yeah, well, my response to that would be the Bills have clearly shown this year that their defense is not it's not up to standard of what you need to be a legit threat in this league. And whether that's injuries, whether that's just, they're not that good. Um, yeah. They, they let Mac Jones look like he was a legit stud, which I'm not of the belief that he is, but I'm of the belief that Mac can be a guy who uh, can sit back there and manage a game. Um, so yeah, I'm sure you got many, uh, questions about mac jones we can get into but yeah those are some of my opening thoughts oh i most certainly do have a lot of questions about three pass mac uh who's at his best like you said when he's managing games and only has to complete two passes but basically yeah you know and i want to start this by thanking you and i did not think that i was going to get to do do this but you know it is kind of a two-team race in the afcs maybe you think it's three we'll get into that uh or four but um Everyone else who's not a Patriots or Jets fan knows it's a two-team race, and it's really you guys turned it into a one-team race by beating the overrated Bills, who you know I've been saying are not good since before the season. So uh, I just do want to sincerely thank you for that. Well, I mean, we certainly did our role to help you guys out on Sunday, but you didn't do yourselves any favors yourselves. Well, yeah. I mean, look, that's the thing. It's like, and, you know, that's what we've been talking about is, The Eagles' loss means way less to us than a Patriot. Like, the Patriots game this week is a bigger game for us in terms of results, not narratives, but, you know, division tiebreaker, AFC tiebreaker. So, and the Bills play the Eagles, right? So, like, you got to assume, you know, maybe Buffalo wins that game, but I don't think they will. Like, you got to assume if we're the team that we think we are and we sweep New England, that's a, this is, that was a huge loss for the Bills. That changes the outlook on their season where this Eagles game doesn't really change the outlook on our season. Yeah, no, I mean, for you guys, this Sunday is a game that, and this is coming from the perspective of a fan who's been in the front seat, been in the lead for his entire life. This is a game you guys should win, and quite frankly, you need to win to make sure that Buffalo's not the team that the Miami Dolphins really need to be worried worried about this season. The team that you need to keep pace with is Kansas City because at the end of the day the what this season comes down to is if it's an AFC championship Miami Kansas City and Miami has to go to Arrowhead it's just that's just not going to happen but if you have to make them go into your house which is why this two-week stretch for Miami this is your biggest two-week stretch of the season right here this is what it all comes down to and well the narrative right now is oh Miami can't beat the good teams because they two losses are Buffalo and Philly this next two weeks is really where it's put up or shut up time for you guys, in my opinion. Yeah, look, I totally agree with you. And, you know, that's the thing. It's like narratives don't matter. This isn't college football. And this is the biggest well, two-week I mean, stretch of the season. Let's uh, – I, I agree with your statement, but I don't know if you actually agree with yourself there that narratives don't matter. No, well, they matter to me. At t- actually, until this past Sunday, they mattered to me. They don't want it anymore. That's what I'm realizing. It's like – there are some people that will never be pleased. That's actually what Tua said in his Sunday night football interview. Like Tua is playing great football 
and the narrative becomes like, oh, you know, Tua is it's because of the team around him. So it's like a guy like Tua, some people will just never say is a good quarterback. That's like the Dolphins too. It's like every time the Dolphins lose a game, every every Dolphin hater, and there's a lot of them, is ready to come out of the woodwork and say, oh, the Dolphins suck. Like it, it's kind of crazy when you think about what everyone's trying to say. It's like if we didn't go into Philadelphia and win the game, the narrative was going to be we can't beat good teams. I think Philadelphia's lost one game at home in the last two years. So that's just how these people think. You can't please these people. But listen, just one thing I did want to ask you about because you said, you know, you've been in the driver's seat. Um, And this year, you know, I was talking to some Patriots fans and a lot of them had high expectations. Now, me being the rational individual that I am, I was like, this team's terrible. Uh, this guy, you know, I won't mention his name. His name starts with an L, though, which, uh, ironically, if you look at the Patriots schedule on ESPN and you look at the scores of each game, there's there's an L next to every result for the most part. Um, it stands for loss. Uh, it's what happens when you score less points than the other team. But uh, he was, like, totally convinced that the Patriots were going to have a great season. So how is this transition going from pretty much your entire life, you guys, where your season started at the AFC Championship? To, you know, being one of the worst teams in the league. Well, see, this is kind of where I don't think that we are one of the worst teams in the league. And by that, I mean, I don't think that we're the we're a bottom five team. I can name five teams that are worse than the Patriots. That being said, to hover around below average to mid, which is where the range that I truly believe they fall in, it doesn't do anyone any good. So... At this point in the season, it's – and let me also say this. If we can win on Sunday, beat you guys, which it'll be definitely a tough test. I've definitely – my optimism is certainly at an all-time low as a Patriots fan, but I could easily be convinced that they could in four weeks be 500 if you beat Miami because then you face Washington, the Giants are in there, the Colts are in there. There's a lot of winnable games coming up. And at the end of the day, in this post-Belichick or the post-Brady era for Belichick, which is a lot of kind of what people want to talk about, he's always been able to beat the quarterbacks and the teams that are bad. He has not been able to beat the teams that are good. He finds himself in a very, in my opinion, one of the worst positions you can be in as a, as a sports fan in mid. There's... A compelling argument to make that, okay, is pretty evident early in the season where, you know, the week one, close game versus Philly, same thing week two. Then you have that three-week stretch where you beat the Jets, but then you get blown out by the Saints and the Cowboys. It's kind of just like, all right, this team's not a Super Bowl uh, contending team. They're not likely not a playoff contending team. So the, there's a, definitely an argument to be made that the way to kind of next steps would be to bottom out get the top draft pick, get a new quarterback and really start fresh. And I'm sure new coach and GM is certainly a part of that conversation as well. But this is where I think that they're kind of at their biggest fault in that they'll end up around six, seven, maybe eight wins, likely not eight, but I can see them in that six to seven win range and just stay in this stage of mid, which is why my optimism as a fan is at an all-time low. Yeah, and, you know, we will get into that new coach, new GM conversation. Uh, it's actually, you know, it's funny because 
I was thinking about Patriots fans and it's sort of, you know, your, your 500 prediction is kind of, if you beat Miami, which you won't, but like in, in a world where you did, it's not an unrealistic expectation, but I was really like wondering, I was like, cause I'm looking at your roster at the beginning of the season. I'm like, this roster is complete garbage. Like that's what it is, you know? And Listen, then I, I can't deny that. I mean, look, if you want to look at their roster, they had at the beginning of the season, they have one guy who you could say like, this guy's a pro bowler in, in Judon and he's out for the year. Other than that, I mean, Gonzalez turned out to be a very solid corner. I mean, low sample size. It was only three and a half games, but he was definitely projecting to be good. But other than that, I mean, on offense, like there's not one guy you could point to and be like, this guy's a bona fide pro bowler. There's just, and that's what falls on Bill being Bill the GM, not Bill the coach. Very important distinction to be like, okay, like what are we doing here? We have fucking Devontae Parker, who you're very familiar with. This guy fucking sucks. Yeah. Uh, listen, yeah, Devontae Parker does suck. He, um, listen, I saw the, I watched the Devontae Parker movie for whatever it was. Um, I think it was four years uh, he was with us, maybe five. I think we gave him the fifth year. And that's what I say. So just the psychology of a team that – of a, you know, of a fan that sees his team win six Super Bowls. Or really, I mean, I guess you saw three, but, you know, you were always in the playoffs, always really divisional round, AFC championship. Uh, divisional round, I'm, I'm thinking about, like, the year you guys lost the Jets. But, like, other than that year, I think you were in the AFC championship for, like, what was it like after we after the AFC um, championship every year from 2011 to the year they played in Kansas city, which was 2018 season, but at the game was in 2019. So whatever you want to call that, it was right. eight great season. So yeah. I mean, look, when we had Brady, the season legitimately did not start until January. That, that was how things went. And I'm in a position now that I've, I guess I've been in it the past five years, but um yeah, I'm in a position now where this is something that you as a Dolphins fan have experienced your entire life of kind of just trying to scrape by week by week. Yeah, it sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, it's not fun, but I do think that, uh, you know, I do think they coming off this uh, win versus Buffalo, there's reason to be optimistic in the short term. But in the long term, I still don't know if they don't bottom out because they're not going to – the patchwork clearly isn't going to work for this core group of players. There needs to be a large seismic shift, particularly on the offensive side, which you experienced. You guys got Tyreek Hill because, I mean, you, with him versus without him, it's a totally different team. You need a stud. Yeah, you have to have one. You know, all the and that's funny, it's like – all the conversations we used to have about, you know, what the, the Patriot way, the culture, what this team does, um, you know, defense, what they do defensively, you start to realize it's like when Tom Brady's not there, it's just not the same. And like, especially from a culture standpoint, the whole culture, like you need a guy like Tom Brady, you need a player to, you know, that's enforcing the culture. And it's much more difficult to do that when you don't have Tom Brady. Well, yeah, 100% is much more difficult. You don't, I mean, Tom Brady is the greatest player of all time. I mean, that's undisputed, undebatable. He's the GOAT. And when you have that guy in the locker room, when you have that guy 
running the ship in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl when you're down 28 to three, like you have all the confidence in that guy. And when you have a guy like Mac Jones, who hasn't proven he could be a sustainable NFL starter through three seasons, granted, there are circumstances that one could argue are the reasons for that, i.e. Matt Patricia, i.e. not a good offensive line this year, but uh, he has not proven it. At the end of the day, he's had the ball in his hands multiple times in the fourth quarter, and this week was the, really the first time since his rookie year that he's proven, okay, I have the ability to steer the ship in the right direction, which one time's one time. I, it's kind of just, you got to, you got to prove it to me. Yeah. So let me ask you a uh, more personal question. And I promise I'm going somewhere with this in regards to the pages. I love but, to hear where you're going with this, Jack. Are you planning on having children one day? I certainly do plan on it. So, so have you thought about the day where, you know, if you have a son and, I mean, or a daughter is a Patriots fan and, you know, they're 10 years old, they go to school and all their friends are making fun of them because the Patriots are, you know, have now gone 25 years without, um, you know, having a record above 500 and they come home. They're like, daddy, why am I a Patriots fan? And you've got to explain your child. Like, you know, there was like a golden era of Patriots football that happened way before you were alive. Have you, have you thought about that conversation in your, in your future? So, I mean, you're basically talking about what it's like to be a Cowboys fan right now. That's essentially what you're saying the Patriots are going to become. Actually, yeah. I guess when you put it that way, yeah. That is that is exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly going to instill the Boston sports tradition into my child slash future children's uh, lives. Um, I definitely think that, look, I mean – to project, I don't know, 10, 15 years into the future when I have a kid, like, uh, who knows? So much can change, you know? Maybe uh, maybe Arch Manning will be the next quarterback of the New England Patriots, and he's leading us to Super Bowls like, like his uncles. But, yeah, I mean, to project that far into the future, you can't really do that. It's kind of a year-by-year, week-by-week business. Are you ready to admit that Mac Jones – is not better than Tua, and that Nick Saban was correct to have him third on the depth chart behind Tua and Hurts. I mean, in my opinion, those are two totally separate arguments. It's undisputed that Tua is better than Matt Jones. There's not a single argument that one could make. Yeah, I'd be the first to admit that. Now, for the in the fact that Tua was the starter in college and Matt Jones was the third string, yeah, when the Raw A, Max Younger. B, when it's Tua, Jalen Hurts, Mac Jones, I, I would say yes, Nick Saban made the correct choice because Tua is A, was the in college. I'm pretty sure he was the higher recruit. I don't have the numbers to back that up. But B, he is most certainly the better player. So if that's what you want to hear, you got it. So that is what I want to hear. Thank you, because that used to be an argument. It is no longer an argument anymore as Tua has answered all questions and Mac Jones has. I mean, look, we're talking about right now, October 24th, 2023. That's right. At this point point in Tua's career, year three, what what is it, year four, year five right now? 
Uh, he's a year a year ahead of Mac. Year ahead of so Mac. Year three. Year, so at this point last year, two was really starting to come on, right? But yes, there are certainly still questions about him. I, I guess at this point last year he was concussed, but uh, that's a separate discussion. Um, Six touchdowns in week two last year. Yeah, I mean that's someone who's year three. You need to be able to prove that uh, you can make a team a contender otherwise it's time to go in a different direction and to this point through his third year season mac has not proven that now like you started off this segment by saying you were not expecting the patriots to come off a performance like they did look if mac can build off that and string together a couple performances in a row yeah that would certainly change a lot of people's opinions especially as you know, if wins come along with that, most importantly, but it's just if a lot of the struggles early in the season, it was major regression by him. I was in the stadium uh, or I was at the Cowboys game in person. That throw, that pick six he made before the half was the worst throw I've ever seen a quarterback make ever. And I have seen some really crap quarterbacks in my day coming into Gillette, not Tom Brady. That was the worst throw I've ever seen. That was still can't comprehend it. But if he, through the rest of this season, because at the end of the day, he will be the starter for the remaining 10 weeks of the season. If he finishes 10 weeks strong, proving to be a legitimate starter, yeah, I mean, he'll come back next year and have the opportunity once again to take a leap like Tua did. All right, all right. I mean, you look, you know my thoughts on three-pass Mac. I think he's freaking terrible, but uh, if you think that there's a chance that he's the guy, listen. You know, that's how I, I'll, I can help you, right? Like, you know, I was a fan of a terrible, mediocre team for my entire life, um, and you were a fan of a great team. Now, the roles are reversed. So, you know, you can kind of actually – you can guide me through what it's like to see a dynasty that we're on the cusp of becoming, and all I can right. guide you through – you want you lesson number like, one, Jack? What's what's lesson number one? You haven't won anything yet. Tua has yet to even – I know he was injured last year, but he has yet to start a single playoff game. You cannot say you're on the cusp of a dynasty when your quarterback has yet to start a playoff game and your best player, Tyreek Hill, has said that he wants to retire after his year 30 – or his age 31 season, which is next season. So – to say you're on a cusp of a dynasty feels like a major stretch. Well, actually, that's two seasons from now. And uh, look, I, I get that, but some okay, people. So you're saying you're going to go back to back to back? Uh, I didn't. I didn't say. Well, okay. First of all, don't put words in my mouth. I'm just saying some people have crystal balls. Like you know, some people can see the future. I happen to be one of those individuals. Not a lot of them can, but I'm one of them. And you know, I sometimes just look at my crystal ball and I see a Dolphins dynasty. I see. You know, myself in the year 2035, kind of just sitting there like, oh, you know, um, it's uh, November 15th. And I'm like, oh, wow, you know, f- football season hasn't even started yet. Like season starts in two months in the AFC championship, which we've been in every year for the last decade. That's that's what I'm seeing when I look in the crystal ball. But um, I've got two questions for you to kind of to, to wrap things up. So first of all, um People think Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. I think, as does every Dolphins fan, that Don Shula is the greatest football coach of all time. 
Bill Belichick is 17 wins away from Don Shula's all-time wins record of 347. Does he get there? Easier question, does he get there as Ever. the Patriots head coach, or does he get there? Does he get there? Yes, he will get there. You, you know, what about as the Patriots head coach? My answer to that would still be yes, although I do think there's more of an argument to be made. Um, or there would have been more of an argument to be made before Sunday. I know that there was the report that came out that Bill had signed a lucrative extension, I believe was the language used in the media um, this past offseason. I don't know why the Patriots like to drop those certain nuggets at the time that they do, but that's kind of how they operate. I think that Kraft feels a certain type of uh, debt to him. I mean, at the end of the day, he did win the guy six Super Bowl uh, championships that I believe it is a part of their agreement to let him kind of see that record through and let him walk away as he so pleases. Now, granted, if this season cascades into something like a three and 14, uh, something in that range, I do think that could change. I don't foresee this season going down that path. Um, So the answer to that question is yes, I do see him getting this record with the Patriots. I guess the question now is how many seasons does that take? Very interesting. And I was surprised you think there's a chance that he doesn't get it with the Patriots and goes somewhere else and gets it. Um, So final question. Uh, We've got week eight this week, Dolphins Patriots at home. Last time the Dolphins won 24-17 in New England. What is your score prediction for this Sunday? I would say that Tua, who is undefeated in his career versus Bill Belichick, I'm surprised that you didn't bring that statistic up, so I'll bring it up there for you, get it out of the way. Um, Everyone knows that, that listens to this. I'm sure your listeners are very astute to that statistic. I would say that I'm not going to predict a Dolphins win because that's not in my blood. Um so the way that the Patriots win is similar to how they kind of performed in that week two defeat, just hoping a couple of plays go the other way. At the end of the day, it was a one possession game. They were driving down the field at the end of the game, came a couple inches short, but they did go up short, but they were close. So I'm going to predict a 20 to 17 Patriots victory. Hope that they can contain Tua Tyreek and limit this offense and yeah just make it ugly that's the way they win keep it ugly make it ugly well listen i respect it i respect a true fan and i respect someone who even though they know their team is going to lose will predict a win so with that being said alex it was great to have you on uh thanks for coming thanks for having me jack look forward to the game on sunday yes sir You know what they say, keep your friends close, but uh, keep your enemies closer. Uh, So another good conversation with an enemy. Um, Unfortunately for me, last week when we had the first enemy on, I decided to make a bet with him that the team who loses the game, the fan of that team, would sing the opposing team's fight song. And uh, obviously, for anyone listening, they know that the Miami Dolphins lost the Philadelphia Eagles, so I now have to sing the Philadelphia Eagles fight song, and here it is. 
Fly, Eagles fly on the road to victory. Fight, Eagles fight. Score touchdown, one, two, three. Hit them low, hit them high, and watch our Eagles fight. Fly, Eagles fly on the road to victory. E-L-G-E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. All right, there. That's it. I uh, hopefully will never do anything like that again. Look, I used to, I have cousins from Philadelphia. I used to, wouldn't, I wouldn't root for them, but, you know, like, if they were playing, first of all, I hate the Giants, so, you know, I would root for them against the Giants, but, uh, there, there was kind of a respect. I respected their fans. Um, you know, I kind of, you know, they're passionate fans. Uh, after going to that stadium, that dump of a stadium, I wish terrible things upon all Philadelphia sports teams. I hope Philadelphia sports teams never win another game for the rest of time. I will be rooting against every Philadelphia sports team in every game for the rest of my life. Unless it would somehow positively impact one of their one of my teams, a win, I'm going to be rooting against their teams for the rest of my life. So I hope the Philadelphia Phillies, I hope they lose. I hope they don't go to the World Series. I hope the Eagles never win another game. I hope the Philadelphia 76ers continue to lose to whoever they play in the second round of the playoffs. I hope the Philadelphia Flyers, and if they have some sort of soccer team that I don't know about, I hope those teams lose. Like If I'm having a bad day... And I, you know, I just get an alert that the Philadelphia Flyers lost, like, in a record performance, eleven nothing or something. That would make my day better. That's how much I hate Philadelphia sports teams. I hope we see those guys again. I'd love that because they are not that good. I mean, we all know what they do when they go to the Super Bowl. They got smoked last year. So anyway, oh yeah, I mean, I used to feel bad for them that the refs screwed them. Now I don't feel bad. I'm happy. I might go watch them get screwed over 10 times in a row. Just watch it. It'll make my night better. So anyway, with all that being said, um, score prediction for this week. Look, you know, we heard what Alex said. You know, he's never going to pick against his team no matter how bad they are. And I'm never going to pick against our team even though we don't have the issue of being bad. So the score prediction is kind of irrelevant, but I am trying to get it right. I genuinely have, there hasn't been a game this season I thought we were going to be, we were going to lose that will Continue this week. I did not think we were going to lose to uh, those bums from New England. Score prediction. I'm going to go with uh, 38 to 3. 35 point victory. If you know a bookie who's offering minus 34 and a half, please let me know. And uh, to those of you who made it to the end, uh, thanks for listening. Um, I hope I never have to sing another team's fight song again, especially not a team like the Eagles. And um, we'll see you next week. Fins up.